It's got a short message today, at least it's short by my standards, and um, it comes with a new year gift from the Lord. I think there's something specific that the Lord wants to give us today, and it's the gift of boldness. And boldness is both a choice and a spiritual gift. I think it's what the Lord wants to give us this morning. And uh, I've got a scripture, if you could just put the John one up um, on the screen, that would be amazing. It's John 14, verses 1 to 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you could just put up that slide with that final verse on it, that would be great. So this is the core of the gospel. Jesus' very last meal with his friends before the cross. And he's opening up his heart to the disciples Days over, night's fallen. Judas has already left the room. And to the disciples, he is their friend, their teacher, their brother, their leader, but not yet their Lord and their God. And Jesus is about to lead them into uncharted waters. And initially, every one of them will fail. They will fail. They won't meet the test. Every one of them will run away. Of course, he knows that. He's leading them into uncharted waters. And he is their friend. He is their brother. He's their leader in the way that human beings can be. But he's not yet their Lord and their God. I love that verse because it's so attractive, but it's also deeply, deeply offensive. It's attractive because Jesus is attractive. John reflecting later, we've seen his glory glory as of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Offensive, because of that, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, who do you think you are? We can all see the point of a good coach with great ideas. But the gospel is not that. 
the gospel is first of all about Jesus himself. The amazing, beautiful one who gave up heaven and brought us with his own blood to be a kingdom of priests and saints and be with him forever. He is what everything that has been made is about and for. Whereas we want life to be about us. And you, you cannot understand Jesus at all. You cannot understand the gospel, his message, what he came to do. You cannot understand the cross unless you understand what happened to the human race in the beginning. Our fall from grace created a huge gulf between heaven and earth, between where we came from and where we are now, between our human experience as it is on this planet day to day and what we were actually created for. We were created to live close to God under his blessing, for there to be nothing that would damage or hurt us. But that got broken and we broke it. So there is a disconnect between us and God. And the language of Jesus about redeeming, rescuing, saving, ransoming, it only makes sense if you understand that what was there in the beginning got broken. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, come to the Father through me. We wouldn't need to come to the Father if we were there already. That's why Jesus talked about the kingdom of God coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's on your doorstep. He wouldn't say that if we had the kingdom of God already. Jesus addressed the brokenness of humanity. The fact that we became infected with evil. That's what happened. Evil got into our blood, our heart, our being, our spirit when we broke, when we broke with God. All of us experience this disconnect. Even if we are believers, we all live in a world that is disconnected. There is a disconnect between us and the Father. We're lost but found We're sinners but forgiven. We're broken but blessed. We all carry the wounds of the fall. We all share in human brokenness. That's why Lucy shared that amazing word. You know, sometimes God will clear it out the way, but sometimes we have to walk through it. But we live in a culture that has rejected that truth. It isn't primarily an issue of comprehension. The gospel isn't difficult to understand. It's more a question of our culture and the people we live among wanting to tell a different story. Where there's nothing wrong with us that more money or better mental health care or less victimisation wouldn't solve. 
There is no fall. It's just about me having a bit more. As Paul writes, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. In our age, the worship of the individual and an obsession with personal choice and consumption, the belief that it's all about me, my identity and my right to choose gets in the way of Jesus. But Jesus has a much better story. He has a much better story. Do not be more impressed with the enemy than you are by God. And there there are sections of our culture that are deeply, deeply hostile to any expression of church. It doesn't matter what it is. And um, I like to keep an eye on what's going out on on in the media and opinion formers and what they're saying. And um, I read one of the daily newspapers, get it on the iPad, read it over breakfast. You know, keep an eye on what's being said out there. And particularly whenever they talk about church. Over the last three months leading up to Christmas, there were three stories about church. And one of them was this church somewhere in the country where they've had a split. They've got two halves of the congregation hating each other and the diocese has had to send in the archdeacon to sort it out. It's got no particular news interest. It, it, you know, there's, there would be perhaps a thousand churches running food banks or stuff like that. They, couldn't have ch- they could have chosen any of those stories, but the one they chose was this church in the middle of nowhere, but they had a split. So that's the story. Next one is, is similar. It's about a church that might close because it's only got elderly people in it now and it's kind of a dismissive interview with one of the older people who says, oh, you know, I don't know how we got here and I don't know what we can do about it. And the third was this week and it was a report on the Pope teaching about prayer but the kind of headline was it's better to be an atheist than a hypocritical Christian. And you got the sense from the article that hypocritical and Christian weren't two different things. And, uh, you, you know, that's, that's the climate. And it's not a conspiracy, but it is shared values. And yet, people are hungry for Jesus. And, and there are reasons for this hostility, and they're not just the enemy's activity. The the rise of science, the church's initial opposition and people thinking that the Bible's worldview is being discredited, that's part of it. And then we've been commemorating the First World War, I don't know if that's been on your horizon, the 100th anniversary of the armistice, Lots of reflections and stories about horses and people and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's good. But what's not said is the revolution that the First World War and the Second World War on top of it caused in Europe spiritually 
Up till then, Christianity was kind of the dominant message. Very flawed, incomplete, yes, often hypocritical, church misusing, you know, all that sort of stuff, definitely. But it was the dominant message. And there was an understanding of the beginning and what went wrong and what Jesus came to do that, that you wouldn't have to work very hard to speak into. But after the World War, the World Wars, especially the first, when two nominally Christian nations tore each other's heart out without mercy and brought all of Europe to its knees, the church establishment lost its credibility and lost its place as carrying the story of the people. And it's, it's really important that we understand this. And it, it's interesting, across the world, at the same time, a similar revolution was happening in China, the, the rise of communism, um, and that worked differently. All the foreign missionaries were expelled, all the top tier of Chinese leaders were executed, and all the second tier leaders were put in jail for decades. So it's an absolute, we're not doing this anymore. It didn't work. It didn't work at all. But, but that was that revolution. This revolution was a lot more subtle, more like pulling a plug out of a reservoir and the kind of water gradually draw, kind of drains out and you know, it gives birth to the, the social and sexual revolution of the 60s, kind of the end of Christian Europe the loss of understanding of what happened in the fall and what it is that Jesus came to do. But unlike China, no one stopped us, the Christians, doing what we'd done for about a thousand years. And so we carried on doing them, even though the whole story was changing. And I'm not saying this at all to point the finger or for reasons of nostalgia. I don't want to go back to Victorian England or so that we can kind of commiserate together. But because we don't need to be intimidated. Our world may not be like Victorian England but it's very like the world of the New Testament. People were deeply sceptical about God in the world of the New Testament, at the same time as being very superstitious. Deeply sceptical. You've got people like Pilate, you know, the, the Roman governors. Well, what is truth? You know, they had these Greek and Roman gods that no one really believed in. They were deeply sceptical and cynical. They had no understanding of the fall and what had happened to us. But they were hungry for Jesus, and people are hungry now for Jesus. We don't need to be intimidated. We need to recognize what's happened, but we don't need to be intimidated. And when we share our faith, 
We need to connect people with Jesus rather than the story of church. This is important. Church has lost its credibility. It's difficult for us. If you're like me, you love coming here and worshipping with your brothers and sisters. You love being in the presence of the Spirit. You love being with your brothers and sisters. But when you talk about church out there, that is not what they say and hear. When we share faith, we need to connect people, not with the story of church, but with Jesus himself. Because they don't know what church is and are given just enough at school to inoculate them. But people are hungry for Jesus. Now, I've spoken quite a bit here and a bit at King Centre about transparency, because I think it's what the Spirit's saying. Be transparent about the life that is in you, in ordinary conversations, in work, in other places, so that when people ask you what you did at the weekend, and it's not just, you know, good morning, had a good weekend, yeah, did you, yeah, you know, which, which happens when people are not really asking. It's just that kind of level of discourse which is one step above a, a friendly nod. But when people actually ask you what you did at the weekend or what you've been up to, you tell them. You tell them. You you don't hide that you belong to Jesus, which is what Christians generally do. We hide the light that's in us. We protect ourselves because we know that the culture has rejected the story of church and we don't like being rejected. So we typically protect ourselves and we don't let what's in us out. So it's like there is a window but the shutters and the curtains are closed. But when you are asked, say, but say it in a way that connects people with Jesus more than with church. So just saying, oh, I went to church, is often not that helpful. Now, it does depend who you're talking to. You know, if it's someone who's got a history with church, but, you know, that's different. If you're part of our our amazing Iranian community where, where there isn't, you know, in Iran there's no story of church, so there's, there isn't this particular issue. Or from another international community. You, you may not have to approach this in the same way. But in our country, our story needs to connect with Jesus, with the life of Jesus in us. Something about what Jesus is doing in you or your kids It doesn't have to be a success story. You know, it can be, oh, you know, I went for prayer on Sunday because our church, because our kids, my kids have been having nightmares. You know, or this happened, or this happened, or my community's doing this, or we're doing that, or well, this happened, or something that lets what's in you be visible to the people outside who don't know Jesus but are nevertheless 
hungry. Because our culture is empty. Because it's just about consumption and money and, you know, all I need is a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. But what for? It's not for anything. The culture is empty. We have a much better story. But we need to connect people more with Jesus than with church. I mean, they'll get there in the end. But the invitation is to Jesus and his life more than to church. Is this making sense? Is this making sense? I've got some other stuff, but I think we'll leave it for another occasion. So I think what God wants to do with all of us, me as well, is just breed a boldness over us. And it's, it's the kind of open-the-curtains sort of boldness. It's not to be pushy, but it is to be transparent. So what is the best way to do this? What do you want to do, Lord? I think what we'll do, if, if you would like to, nobody has to do this, I think what we will do, um, be, because there's a submission and a surrender in this, I'm going to invite the band up. I'm going to ask you, if you want to, just to kneel on the floor where you are. You can move out of your seat. If you can't do it because of age or you don't want to do it, that's absolutely fine. But there is a surrender involved in receiving a gift of boldness. So I'm going to pray for us. <coughs> Holy Spirit, would you breathe over us the spirit of Jesus and the spirit of boldness? Would you put in us a delight in Jesus and in who he is, the way, the truth, and the life? And would you put in us a determination not to be intimidated, but to be transparent? Lord, send your Holy Spirit We just stay here on our knees and let the band play and when you're ready you can you can get up and join in the worship. <laughs>